On Tuesday, I was on a flight to Detroit going up for the Dominican Sisters of Mary Mother of the Eucharist for their vows this week. That's probably why I look a little happier than I normally do. It's always great to go up there. But on the plane, um, I've been kind of trying lately that, you know, if you see somebody and you have that sort of impulse to want to talk about the gospel, about the faith, to do it. And because I'm not usually very good at that. I've been trying to be a little bit more, you know, evangelical, going out of myself a little bit, going out of my comfort zone. And it was about that point when, you know, you get to, you're waiting at the gate and you're waiting for everybody to kind of get off the plane and get your bags down and all this. And I noticed across the aisle, the woman was reading a book called The Mueller Report. And this was the thing. What went into my mind, this is just how immersed in church stuff I am, I thought it was the new book out by Cardinal Gerhard Mueller. And so I said to her, how is that? I haven't read that yet. And she's like, oh my goodness. And, and it was funny because it didn't occur to me for like another like 15 seconds what it actually was. And it was just kind of funny, and we sort of kind of like began having this conversation as we're moving out, you know, towards the plane. And I don't mean to get into politics at 8.15 in the morning, but it was just an interesting sort of conversation in which we both agreed that the world is crazy. I mean, there's just so much, you know, just nuttiness going on. I don't care which party you find yourself in. I don't care what country you're from or what political system is you consider to be best. I think it's pretty apparent there's no utopia, right? There's no perfect system. Nothing is going right all the time. And it was great because as we're talking, it was sort of like this conclusion. I said, you know what we have to do? We have to pray. And we have to pray a lot, and we need to keep doing it all the time. And I said, hence why I'm wearing this shirt. It was kind of nice, and we, we agreed on that in a big way. And in fact, I will say, just to kind of, you know, that restoring of the faith in humanity, like every worker we ran into at the Detroit airport wanted to stop and pray together. So the lady who like took us on the little shuttle to the rental car place, she was Evangelist Sharon. She was lovely, and we ended up praying for one another. It was great. You know, it's one of those things of like just stopping and praying, even in the midst of recognizing that stuff is crazy, right? That the world is just nuts. But the thing is, and even as we look at that first reading of Abraham's long, ongoing conversation, you know, with our Lord about Sodom and Gomorrah, right? We know about Sodom and Gomorrah, all of the debauchery, all of the craziness, to the point that it cries out to heaven for vengeance. And really, you know, we see it all around us. We know that Sodom and Gomorrah is all over the place. But look at what the readings are telling us today. It's not as though God is like, hey, everybody, this stuff is nuts. So just be freaked out, be anxious, and just get out of here. No. What does he want us to do? He wants us to perpetually be in prayer. I heard a talk recently on all the crises in the church. Once again, my mind goes to church stuff. This woman was reading the other Mueller report. There you have it. But we know that stuff is crazy all over the place. But I was listening to a talk about everything that's happening in the crisis in the church and how to respond. And this beautiful sister talked about the fact that, look, we're, we're so quick to take all of these things in, right? We watch a lot of news. We read a lot of commentary. But the problem is, if that's all we're doing, it drags us down. If all we're looking at is Sodom and Gomorrah, if all we're looking at is the craziness on the news, which we can all agree is crazy, it's going to pull us down. We're going to be full of that despair, that depression. 
she said that she had a wonderful piece of advice from a priest that for every hour you spend watching all of this stuff and reading all this commentary, you should be spending an hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Why? Because he can do something about it, right? You know, because ultimately, if all we're getting is frustrated, you know, you can see what's going on down at the border. We know that there's stuff. We know our immigration system is nutty. You think about a couple weeks ago, the deacon gave his beautiful homily about the things happening in his worst nightmares. I mean, we're talking about infanticide. There's so much insanity. But if all we do is sit and watch it, what is changed? All we get is depressed. What does Jesus tell us to do? To come to him. And especially when you look at the way that this begins, this gospel, when they ask him, Lord, teach us how to pray, how you were just praying over there. He doesn't say something like, you know, oh, almighty Godhead. What does he say? Father. Think about that. That the first word he wants us to use is a relational one of recognizing the fact that he loves us. He's in or wants to be in communion with us. He doesn't force us to do it, right? You know, we have to approach him, but look, he's there and waiting. He wants us to call him father. And when you think about that too, it's his son who's teaching us that. Not a son who's like, you know, don't crowd in on my space. No, he wants us in there with him. And really, it's interesting when you think about it, he begins by saying father. He concludes by talking about the father giving us the gift of what? the Holy Spirit, the love shared between the Father and the Son that can amazingly, incredibly be within our hearts. The communion between the two, you know, persons of the Holy Trinity that becomes a person himself becomes, I'm sorry, they're from all eternity and we're speaking in time, so that was heretical, but they're all together and the Holy Spirit can literally be within us if we stop to spend the time with him. Is stuff crazy? Of course it is. But as we see from all the way back from the time of Abraham, it's always been crazy. But God doesn't just do what James and John wanted a few weeks ago, to just send down the fire and wipe it all out. He's willing to listen to Abraham. Now, obviously, didn't find the ten, did they? You know, they were wiped out. But here we are now, long after that, we don't just have the ten innocent ones. We have Jesus Christ himself who gives us himself, who is with us in this Eucharist, who wants to literally be within our hearts. And so we know that the darkness that, yes, is all around us is no match for the love of Jesus Christ. And what does he want? He wants you to perpetually, persistently come to him, to be with him. It's not as though in some ways we're bothering him. In fact, I'm embarrassed to tell you, when I see the first reading come up, and this is the second time within a couple weeks because it was at a daily mass too, it's kind of an annoying reading, right? It's like, okay, he starts at the 50, then it's 45, then it's 40. Then it's like, come on, Abraham, let's just get to the 10, right? Now think about this. God puts up with it, you know? I'm not as patient as God is. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to keep asking and asking, even to the point that he uses an analogy that compares him to kind of a lazy friend, right? But he says that because of his persistence, he's listened to. So what do we have to do? We have to strive for that relationship with Christ. He is there. 
he wants to have it. The ball is in your court. You have to spend the time with him. And I know we talked about it last week. We talked about Martha and Mary and choosing the better part. The thing is, all of us have to do it. We've got to make the time for it. And it reminds me of a story of one of my priest friends. He told it when he was leading a retreat. I really like it. So this priest friend of mine, let's just say he's not thin, okay? And so he goes to the doctor, and the doctor tells him you need to exercise. And he's like, ah, you told me that last time. He's like, yeah, I did, and clearly you're not. And he said, well, I tried it. And he goes, how did you try it? He goes, I did push-ups and sit-ups. He goes, how many push-ups and sit-ups did you? Three. Three? Three. Well, how many sets of three? What do you mean by sets? I did three. He said, you did three push-ups and three sit-ups? Yeah, and it didn't work. He goes, no, you didn't exercise. You tried this briefly, nothing happened immediately, and you gave up. That's not exercising. That's like inoculating yourself against exercise. We have to make sure we don't do the same thing when it comes to prayer. Like, oh my gosh, things are difficult. Here's a Hail Mary. Things are still difficult. Well, okay, but that's not entering into this persistent love of God who is jealous for our love, who wants us to be with him, who wants that gift back of our time. And the great thing is, is as loud as Sodom and Gomorrah may be, that love is more powerful. If we're going to make things better, yes, and I'm not saying check out from the world, read whichever Mueller report you want, you know? I mean, they're all out there, right? But don't spend so much time looking at the darkness that you forget that the light scatters the darkness, that the light literally wants to be burning within your heart. He wants to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. The important question is, how are we going to respond? Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.